Will AI improve our lives or exterminate the species? What would it take to abolish poverty? Are you eating enough fermented foods? These are some of the questions we've tackled recently on The Next Big Idea. I'm Rufus Griscom, and every week I sit down with the world's leading thinkers for in-depth conversations that will help you live, work, and play smarter. Follow The Next Big Idea wherever you get your podcasts. LinkedIn presents... Hi, welcome to the Startup of You podcast. I'm Ben Kesnoka, entrepreneur, author, and venture capitalist at Village Global. And I'm Reid Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn and host of the Masters of Scale podcast. And this podcast is about learning the secrets of how to have a great career. Because you may not be starting your own company right now, but you are the CEO of at least one startup, you. So Reid, we're going to talk about the art of the personal brand. This is a topic that a lot of people associate with a startup review because we all know that companies have brands and we are making the argument in this book that you as an individual professional have a brand. Interestingly, we don't talk about it as much in the book as some people expect us to. I think we tend to think about personal brand as something that happens somewhat naturally as the output of accomplishments and real work and real skills rather than something that gets directly built or focused on, right? It's kind of like it's the people who have great personal brands that are authentic and deep are usually people who've actually achieved something that makes that brand credible. So let's start by defining some words, which is what is a personal brand? And then maybe I'll take a stab at it. Then I'd like to hear your reflection on the definition as well as how you think your current brand is, is articulated in the world. But I think a brand is the thing that people say about you. At some level, it's kind of another word for reputation. And it's thus not something that's fully in your control. If McDonald's does a whole initiative to refresh their brand, and after hiring a consultant for $300,000 and spending, you know, 600 internal hours with 15 different meetings and meetings about meetings, and they come out with an entire branding statement that says, we are about healthy foods and salads. And then you survey people in the world and ask, what do you think of when you hear McDonald's? And they all say burgers. The brand of McDonald's is burgers, not salads, despite McDonald's attempt to say it's salad. So the brand, you're not fully in control of your brand. And so at a personal career level, perhaps your personal brand is if you asked 50 people in your network how they would describe you or what three salient characteristics they would highlight, perhaps it's those answers that are actually the substance of your brand. Agree, disagree, or what would you nuance there? Well, that's definitely a truth and so super important. I tend to think about... Brand as it applies, especially to individuals, there's some differences as this gets the companies and products and everything else. But the first is, I completely agree that a brand is not, too often the mistake is what you say about yourself. And it's like, well, if what you say about yourself is not reflected or caught up in the world around you at all, if anything, it may even be destructive because you're saying, I am this. And people say, well, I don't think you are. So I think you're either mistaken or lying or deluded or whatever else. So that impedance mismatch of not paying attention to what's reflected in the world. And yes, you're trying to move it and nudge it. But if you're not paying attention to that, you're going to make a mistake. When it gets to personal, I think there's actually kind of three levels that matter, even frankly, as recent as like a high school grad or a college grad. One is, 
what do the people around you who know you, what do they say about you? And by the way, that's really important because that's your network. They may be strong ties or weak ties. They may be the paths of people to you. They may be your paths of people out. They may be people who are willing to ally with you and so forth. The next one out is, and this one, you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of, but what is as it were, the unaided awareness brand of you, right? So yes, the people who know you and are in that, but like, for example, at Stanford, because I had created this thing called the Symbolic Systems Forum, which was a kind of a student body around this program that I'd majored in Symbolic Systems, I actually had something of a broader brand there where people say, oh, you're creating the student societies, you're getting these, these interesting talks in, you're assembling these groups in interesting ways and other kinds of things. And that, you know, caused some, positive ripples about ways that I would maneuver and things that I would do. And then the third, which is a very modern part of the internet, is what happened when someone searches for you. Mm. When they search for you, what will they find? And paying attention to that, because by the way, if you're engaging with new people, if you're doing things, people will go search for people. And sure, most people's reflexes, well, I search for famous people. I search for Tom Hanks, or I search for you know, Ariana Huffington or, or what's, what's she up to these days? Uh, she's doing startup and still, you know, like the health thing. Yes, or? exactly. Oh, nice. Right. Uh, and then, you know, being an important, you know, advocate of sleep and cognitive decision-making. And- <laughs> advocate, literally when you said advocate of, I thought you, I thought the next sentence was going to be, you know, starving children and in Cambodia, but advocate of sleep, <laughs> yes. an important yeah. it, sleep needs its advocate. Yes. And she's great at speaking of like personal branding. Like oh, she, she is great. Yeah. She is great at this stuff. And like, for example, you know, she has this line that she's, says at, at many conferences, which is sleep your way to the top. And mm-hmm. everyone goes, ah, and, and it goes, cause it's like, you know, but it's what yeah. she really means is get enough sleep that you're making good cognitive decisions, et cetera, et cetera. And that creates a, that like as personal branding creates a slogan that people remember yeah. and resonate. And yeah. So I think to the first couple circles of awareness, people who actually know you well, let's take a scenario where somebody's saying to themselves, I'm actually, I'm really good at sales or I'm, I'm really interested in global business and or I really love traveling or whatever. And people in my network don't understand that about me. And so there's this gap between reality. Let's just suppose it is reality, not self-deception, but it's reality and how others perceive you. And so then this raises this interesting tactical sphere of like, how do you bridge that gap, right? Which is what I think a lot of the literature on personal branding, that's where it starts. It doesn't cover these sort of the groundwork. It jumps to how do you promote yourself to make sure that the people who know you fully appreciate every element of you. And I think there is something to this. I think Ariana, the Ariana example of being memorable is a great example. I also think of Tom Friedman in this case of being able to coin phrases. Like globalization is an idea that has been around a long time. A lot of people have talked about it. Tom Friedman came up with the phrase, the world is flat. And that's a brilliant phrase. And that book and that idea and that meme traveled very far. And so that's you know trying to sell a book. But at some level, we're all trying to sell ourselves and sell the truth about who we are. And so if you have a passion, if you have an interest, a skill, figuring out a way to package and communicate that memorably without seeming sleazy or over the top seems like the essential skill of personal branding. Yeah, and it should resonate in some foundation of truth, but it can be aspirational. It could be the, you know, I'm heading in this direction. I have the, I've done some, I have the capabilities, I'm going that direction, I'm capable of a lot more. Just like marketing is normally, it just shouldn't be the completely off base. Right. Yeah. You, like, you may have to iterate it, dynamically iterate it as you build that kind of credibility up. But I do agree, slogans, catchphrases, brief communications, it's one of the reasons why you know, I kind of advocate to everybody that actually, in fact, having 10 to 15 minutes at least spent on your LinkedIn profile, even when you're not looking for a job or anything else, is actually a useful thing. I myself go through refreshes where I go, 
oh, what uh, set of identities am I presenting to the world? Okay, these things, these are old and now less relevant. These, so decrement, these are now more relevant. So and you've describe had on more. Your, on your LinkedIn profile, so as people probably know, there's the headline and then there's the job you hold. So this now we're getting into the guts of this, yeah. which I do think some of this stuff's important, so let's talk yeah. about it. I think it's a mistake people on LinkedIn have their headline just be their job title. Yes. I think it's powerful. And I probably got this from you, Reed, unconsciously, because your LinkedIn profile headline is, well, no, I saw you added a word, which is a big, we'll talk about that. That's a big de- development in the life of Reed. It was entrepreneur, is it entrepreneur, author, investor, or entrepreneur, product strategist, investor, something like that. And it's, you've added podcaster. But and I added the, podcaster. I yeah. think it was entrepreneur, uh, product strategist. Uh, strategist and investor, I think, and investor. Yes. So with a period, at, so entrepreneur period. Yes. Product strategist period, investor period, and, and it ha- and it has moved around some. It was business was in there for a bit. I mean, the, okay. so I'd have to go check what is the exact current okay. one. But you're right because I remember okay. adding podcaster. You had just recently added. I just saw that recently. I'm like, yes. wow, that's a big addition. And so that's, I think, being intentional about how you want to brand in the world. And that's different than the current job title. And I think the interesting about the LinkedIn product is it does, def- if you don't fill out the headline, it will just pull your latest job yes. title. So if you're you know, a partner at Goodwin Proctor Law Firm, that will be the headline of your LinkedIn profile, unless you intentionally pick a set of words that capture the essence as yeah. you understand it. And, and this is actually a great thing in terms of thinking about personal branding is what would be those relatively small number of words that you would want people to reflect about you. Now, ideally, it would be like in the people who know you, when they saw it, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You are a product and business strategist, right? Oh, you are an entrepreneur, you are a podcaster. And gives them a little bit of a clue of, of like, what are the things that are kind of where you're navigating to, where you're where the boat's heading, what kinds of things you, you might be looking for, what kinds of things you might be receptive to when they come in the door, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that, I think that word cloud, which shouldn't be lots of words, but could even even easily be seven, yeah. right? It doesn't have to be three. It doesn't have to be four. But it's like, what's that compact number of words? And that's actually, in fact, generally speaking, what your LinkedIn headline should be. And I think let's dig into this difference between present versus aspirational. You said it's okay to be a little aspirational. That's what most marketing is. And I think I would agree, but you can go too far. Generally speaking, all of marketing, including personal branding, is better the more you can show versus tell, right? So if you kind of go, look, here's the things that I've done and here's the things that I'm part of and so forth, that then just by describing them in a kind of a compact and kind of simple factual way, is that can show very well, great. Because people getting their own inferences of, wow, like you, like as opposed to like, you know, I'm Reed Hoffman. I've invested in many multi-billion dollar businesses and <laughs> da, 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 da. Like, oh, that sounds like, wow, what are you trying to sell me on? You're trying too hard almost. Yeah. Whereas I say, well, I've invested in, you know, Airbnb and LinkedIn yeah. and Facebook and Zynga. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. I get it. Just because I've, I've invested in these things. Yeah. And you go, wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And you go, great. Because yeah. you, yeah. you described it as a set of, of showing your investments as yeah. a way of what so it's the saying, telling that I'm a, you know, kind of a world-class investor. Yeah. So there's a show versus tell and always opt for, if at all possible, to do it in a way you're showing. And that also bridges to the other point, which is basically be very careful of anything that would really come across as a lie. So like the classic kind of in, in inflation is team members become team leaders. Like I love the team that did this. 
And, you know, like, for example, if you're putting that on your LinkedIn profile, it's one of the reasons why a bunch of academics have done research on LinkedIn profiles and find that they contain many less inaccuracies and errors than CVs and resumes do because people kind of either consciously or unconsciously recognize that it's a whole bunch of people around you who know you who are seeing what you put in there. And they go, you weren't the team leader. You sure you were on the team, but you weren't the team leader. Then all of a sudden you're branding to them like you're a liar. And what's more, when people scratch at it a little bit, they call references and say, so, so and so, the leader of this team, they say, well, they weren't the team leader. They're like, oh, they're a liar. And being a liar is a very, very bad thing. So you really want to go to where the lies, you never lying. Now, you can say, I played a key role on this team and the team accomplished this amazing thing. So can I just ask, because this is, seems to be the theme of the podcast, but maybe it's the theme of our relationship. Is the word lie the right word? If I say team leader, I was the team leader. And in fact, I was a team member. Am I a liar? Well, the question is, is will other people who know you and around it yeah. and have called or are looking at it, yeah. will they think it's a lie? Yeah, yeah. Right? I, mean, I guess it's just like what counts as a lie. I mean, I guess it's yes. versus an untruth versus an exaggeration. I mean, are all Well, but like, lies. for example, the reason why I offered this as an alternative is I was a key member of this team and the yeah. team accomplished this amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. Other people might say, well, you weren't really that key, right? Right, But it's kind of more of a, okay, fine, you may have yeah. thought you were key, and I didn't really think you were key, totally. but, but I don't think you were lying, right? right? right. Like you, yeah, were, you yeah. might have been over-exaggerating right. a little bit. That's the reason why that nuance, where you could say, I was a key member, you say, well, there were three key members on the team, or there were five key members of the team. Maybe right. I was the least key of the key members. Right. <laughs> right. 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 You know, and that's fine. That's kind of inching forward a little bit, yeah. putting your, you know, kind of glossing it a little bit, et cetera. And that kind of ambition is fine. I'm Kwame Christian, and I am the CEO of the American Negotiation Institute, and I want you to check out my podcast, Negotiate Real Change. Listen to conversations with leaders in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, and learn the secrets behind what it really takes to become a successful advocate, ally, and change maker in your organization. Check out Negotiate Real Change on your favorite podcast player. So let's talk about a part of an asset that people have in their careers is their network. And a way that people often convey the strength of their network is by referencing people they know, which is a long-winded way of saying name dropping. And name dropping fascinates me, right? You understand what's going on, which is someone's trying to establish credibility and convey to the world that, hey, I'm a networked person and you should know that about me. The thing about name dropping for me, I'm curious your takes, I don't think we've ever talked about it. I find name dropping very annoying, but I have to admit sometimes it's effective. When I'm meeting somebody for the first time or even on their, it's not so much on a LinkedIn profile, it's usually like blog posts they might write or tweets, they'll say, oh, and you know, my friend Barack Obama and I were playing golf or you know, whatever. I was hanging out with my buddy Brian Chesky last week, you know, just sort of gratuitously mentioning high profile people on the network and those are ultra high profile. Two friends of mine, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Um, I think I probably did that unconsciously. When I see that happening, there's a part of me that says, ugh, that's so distasteful. Like, why do you have to, you clearly are disdained because you want, you want the world to know that you and Brian Chesky are friends. You don't really give a shit about the point you're trying to make about golfing or whatever. So part of me that finds it distasteful at a sort of a gut level. But then there's a part of me that says, wow, you and Brian Chesky are playing golf together? You must be somebody. You know, you must have, have some importance. Brian has a lot of people he can hang out with. He's chosen to hang out with you. Wow. 
And so how do you parse name drop in in this context? It's actually a complicated subject and even has one thing that we cover in this book, which is there's phases in your life. And so you should recognize that while when you're young and up and coming, you might emphasize a little bit more towards the name dropping and then later need to to back off that some just because you're trying to be noticed and you're trying to get stand out from the pack. And the fact that, that Brian rates you and so forth will help you stand out from the pack, you might edge a little bit in that direction. But also the kinds of principles are, you know, for example, would Brian mind being mentioned in the circumstance? Like, you know, part of, if you're legitimately that kind of thing, would it be the kind of thing that Brian would go, oh yeah, that's totally cool. I, I'm totally happy for you to be helped by mentioning it in this circumstance. And, you know, like you bringing me up, you're having a duty of care to your relationship with me or friendship with me or whatever else. I think that's an important kind of self-check. Another one is, being graceful about it. Like, for example, not like, well, I'm trying to figure out how to mention I know Brian Chesky in this conversation, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's actually, in fact, oh, well, you know, look, I think one of the great entrepreneurs of our time uh, is Brian Chesky. And I happen to be playing golf with him. And here's why he's a great entrepreneur of the time. And so would you advise, separate from Brian specifically, would you advise somebody on their LinkedIn profile as they describe their set of career assets to say something like, I have a really strong network, like to declare that statement at a sort of conceptual level? Well, if you were doing it, I would do it a little bit more of, I'm really grateful to have a broad and diverse network of people who have been, you know, real help to me as I've navigated. Because by the way, if you say, I have a really strong network, you're also saying, I'm maybe more of a hustler than have hustle. Yeah, like I like yeah. like I, yeah. I'm more of a networker than have a network. Yeah. You know, as a way of doing it. So you want to show that grace of that you care about those people, that it's viewed as an alliance, you know, our second book, yep. you know, in this and so forth. So there's ways you can do it and do it with, you know, grace but also strength. Um, so if you say, yes, that can be a great thing. Now, an even better way of doing it is to say, well, one of the things I really learned from one of my colleagues, Brian Chesky, was da da da. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and that kind of thing. Because by the way, then Brian go great. I'm glad you learned that from me. Me being yeah. a an educator on that topic is something that I'm actually or sharing that learnings of that topic is something I'd really want. I mean, That's, attributing a lesson to a high profile person in your network is a sneaky way of of checking a lot of boxes here. Yeah, but again, that goes but back to the it's very gonna, first principle. Yeah. Because it's like the oh, if they would say yeah, I'm glad yeah. you did that. Like even people I don't know, if they say hey, I learned you know, the following from Reed Hoffman on the Startup View podcast right, or right. da-da-da, that's great. If you're an infinite learner living in permanent beta, as we say in the book, and you're interested in thinking about your network systematically, every person in your network, what have you learned from that person? What's, what's a key lesson or an insight that you've gained from that person? Because that's not only is it an interesting way to sort of catalog the people you know, it will also allow you to express gratitude to that person for teaching that lesson. And as you pass on key lessons to others, if you attribute it to somebody, it allows you to sort of convey sort of the generational transfer of wisdom or kind of how knowledge is embedded in a network. Like you're kind of making multiple points. If I tell you, I learned this lesson from someone else, as I tell you the lesson, I'm also making sort of the meta point that wisdom has been transferred from one person to another. And now you should pass it on, you know, yeah. if you agree. And that you know it. Yeah. So it accomplishes a lot of tasks. It's almost an interesting like network building exercise of write down the sentence, a sentence or two a key lesson you've taken from someone in your network. Yes, exactly. And I think that's a good thing to do. And so those would be the ways to do it because then, by the way, you're also showing that you value them 
that the way that you participate in a network is not, it's about me, it's about me, it's about me, you're an asset to me. Yeah. It's we are doing this together. And I value the fact that we ally together. I value the fact that we work together. I value the fact that we help each other. And, and I'm showing that in the brand that I'm doing, mm. right? Because yeah. all of that then gets reflected in that personal brand. Yeah, totally. And it's a great gratitude practice, which is something I'm trying to do more this year. The expression of gratitude usually means so much more than you possibly imagine it can be. And you don't need to make a big production. It's actually better not to make a big production of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But those little things can be can be super meaningful in life. And by the way, if someone's like done something amazing, it's like, hey, you did that amazing thing. Yeah. And even people who are very accomplished, very successful, people who you might think have been complimented a million times will still appreciate hearing yeah. that. So if you're grateful to someone even famous, an author that, you know, whose book you've read, who, you know, they get emails from people all the time. Someone like, I was just reading this profile of James Patterson, who's sold 400 million copies of books, kind of stunning. Or Michael Lewis, you know, uh, who famously reads emails and responds like, send him a note and say you're really grateful for something. Yeah. He'll probably appreciate it. And by the way, if you think, because it is worth paying attention, you think a lot of other people are doing it, say, look, I know you're getting this a whole oh, yeah, lot, a lot of but it was too. great. Yeah, totally. And one other sort of hack or thing that just came to mind in this discussion is a sort of ninja move I've sometimes made, I've seen people use is, if someone asks you a question that is sort of setting you up for seeming self-aggrandizing, what they'll do is they'll frame the description as people often tell me that I'm X. So it's like, so Reed, what are some of, what are your two or three superpowers? Instead of saying, well, I'm a brilliant strategist. CEOs I work with, they tell me the thing they value most in my contributions is my ability to help them in strategy. Or, you know, people in my network tell me that I'm a great strategist. It allows you to assert a brand point. But being really truthful to how brand is composed, which is what other people, you know, how they perceive you and perceive your strengths. And so I found that to be a subtle sort of comms trick. Yeah. That version of it, which I look, I think is better than the first, is also when they'll say, well, you know, Reed, what are your superpowers? Like, well, I seek to be a great business and product strategist. Yeah. Right. And then. That's interesting. So phrase it as sort of an aspiration. Yeah. And so, and then it's like, look, it's up to like listen to what other people are saying as to, yeah. you know, how, how good do you would think I am? Would that be your number one answer on what are your superpowers, like in a professional context, someone would ask? Uh, yes, it's part of the reason why it reflects uh, yeah. some of the words in the LinkedIn yeah. profile. Okay, awesome. Well, I think this is really interesting. So I think for people thinking about their personal brand, at a minimum, inventory your LinkedIn profile tonight and uh, see what it says. Make sure that it says and conveys the essence of who you think you are. But then also I think there's a takeaway from this conversation as it relates to engaging your network. As so many of our conversations we had in this podcast have led to some network action, survey the people who are close to you and try to get a sense for how they perceive you, right? That seems to be a key way to get honest feedback on the state of your brand. And if you notice that if you survey 10 to 15 colleagues, people you've worked with in the past, people you're working with now, if you ask them, hey, what are two or three words you'd use to describe me? Or what are two or three strengths that you would list on on my profile if you're writing it for me? If those don't match the words that you're using, then that's there's a gap there. And there are probably some tactics that we've talked about here, and we can link to some other things on the website to sort of bridge that gap and try to make sure that the you who you are and who you aspire to be is the you that is uh, in the minds and hearts of the people who you care about. Should every person have a slogan for their career? Like, should we all have our little marketing jingle or our one-liner? Because your headline on LinkedIn and mine the same, I think it took inspiration for yours, just three adjectives is not a slogan. No, and um, I don't, so I, don't, I certainly don't think everyone needs a slogan. Everyone doesn't I don't, need it. I don't think I have one. I don't think you do, yeah. but it's an interesting question. Like, well, is that well like what's the thing for you, for yeah. your projects, for you, where yeah. you're going? Yeah. And maybe... A word, a slogan, a something else is a, and you certainly should have compact expression of it. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I do think there are phrases that I've like, I think I've told you the phrase of, you know, dream life is work with entrepreneurs during the day, but have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with public intellectuals, academics. That's a version of a slogan. I've also <laughs> heard a wannabe intellectual trapped in an entrepreneur's body. Like those are versions of a slogan that can capture an essence. Yes. Um, especially if there's tension in your identity, which many of us have. Okay. Well, thank you, Reed. This has been a fantastic conversation. Ben, awesome as always. And thank you to our listeners. We'd love to hear from you with your questions and comments. Post your thoughts on LinkedIn and be sure to tag us. We'll answer the best questions in future episodes. If you enjoyed the Startup of You podcast, please remember to rate and review us on whatever listening app you love. Join us next week as we continue talking about how to craft a remarkable career in the 21st century. Special final thanks to Jesse Hempel, Michael Nussbaum, and Dan Roth at LinkedIn. Our editor and executive producer is Aaron Schulman. Audio production by Palm Tree Island.